0: Hello and welcome to The Double Life. I'm John Boozdar and this week we head to Brooklyn, New York and sit down with John Martin, co-creator of Munchies at Vice Media. From the early days with a small team to the creation of Munchies and every journey along the way, enjoy an inside look at what it means to seek adventure and eat good while you're doing it.
1: John Martin. I am an employee of Vice Media Group. Uh, I'm based in Brooklyn. I've done a lot of things for Vice over the years. Uh, I started working there in 2002 when I was pretty fresh out of college. Um, I'm now 40 years old uh, and I my current job is uh, the publisher of Munchies, which is Vice's food, uh, platform food brand, um, which I, I launched, uh, as one of the co-founders and launched it, uh, back in 2014. Uh, it was a, it was a show we did before that. And then we decided to make it a little bigger, make it a brand, make it a big part of, uh, the vice ecosystem, the vice world. And, uh, we made it into a, we made it into something more than a show and it's, i kind of grown quite a bit, but I've done a lot of things at Vice before that. Everything from sales to uh, produced videos, hosted them even, um, written for the magazine. I was the magazine publisher. Um, did, yeah, done a lot of different things.
0: Right on. And um, you're based in Brooklyn right now, right? I am in
1: Brooklyn. I have not uh, fled the city like a... like. <laughs> like some coward non-New Yorkers have.
0: Right. Did you uh, grow up in New York your whole life or you kind of came over here? No,
1: no, I I grew up in Maine. Um, I lived in New York State since uh, 1998 and the city since 2002.
0: Cool. And did you come over here for school or where did you go to uh, college?
1: I I went to school. I went to school uh in upstate New York uh a, a college called Skidmore College in the town of Saratoga Springs which is um which is like a half an hour north of Albany.
0: Nice. And uh what did you study? What was the kind of general emphasis there?
1: Uh I studied um my major was a combined and sociology, anthropology major.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, and then I had a business minor, um, which, you know, I, I think probably at the time, uh, I didn't really know why I was doing that. And I, like, I didn't really, if I had to go back on it, I probably wouldn't have gone to college, mm. uh, at that point. Um, it's a, you know, cost of fortune, number one. And I think a lot of the, the, the skills that you learn, you can learn in in sort of the real world, as they say. Um, but you know, I wasn't like terribly passionate about anything in that regard in college, and it was um, I sort of it was in, I found those disciplines more interesting, and quite frankly, I was probably just better at them mm. uh, than you know other other, you know, maybe like STEM type disciplines, um, which, you know, I'd never really had much of an aptitude for. So, uh, I guess I just gravitated to those and, but, you know, looking back on it, I see that those really sort of set the foundation for what, for how I view the world, but also what I ended up doing, um, which was a lot of sort of like cultural aspects of media and how that intersects with business.
0: Nice. Super cool. Did you, um, I guess right when you graduated from college was that you said pretty fresh out of the gate, you kind of went over device. How did that all come together? And you know, what made you want to go over there in the first place?
1: So I had, I had seen copies of vice magazine, um, throughout like, I don't know, the late nineties and, uh, early 2000s and just here and there I'd seen copies that we didn't distribute. they didn't have distribution at the time and the, the small the small town I went to school in but if I was in New York City or like saw friends in Boston or whatever I that you know they would have copies and and um, at the time uh, I was working with a buddy uh, and we were trying to get like a, a a t-shirt line off the ground. Hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, he was really keen on, on vice and was showing me, it's like, this is the type of magazine I think vice even had like an e-com store at the time. He said, you know, this is the type of magazine that we should be advertising in and all this stuff that partnership didn't last. Um, but you know, I always sort of kept vice in my, in the back of my mind. And then when I moved to New York, I, was would pick up the magazine at like Kim's video or like, you know, whatever record stores in Brooklyn. Um, and I would find it. And, you know, I probably was living in New York for like six months at the time and catering. Um, I'd gotten a job at what sort of like a catering staffing agency. And yeah, at a certain point I, I, I was like just picked up the phone and called vice And I'd heard that they were hiring and I I had a friend that interviewed for a sales gig and didn't get it. Um, and he was like, you should totally, I know you love vice. You should totally call them. You could do it. And I did. And, um, I probably hung up the phone like three times, you know, out of nerves, uh, and, and anxiety. Um, but I eventually I got someone, um, who was like, I guess the GM at the time, And we talked and he said, come in for an interview. And I came in for an interview and met the guys. Um, and you know, it was like start on Monday sort of thing. And, 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 you know, got going.
0: Right on. And that initial period, was it, um, you know, like just writing stories, editing photography? Cause that that whole munchies thing didn't start for a while, did it?
1: No. Um, no. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, was always on more of the business side oh, okay. uh, than the actual content creation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, it started, it taught me like really good lessons, uh, you know, from the, from the beginning and, and it was something that Shane always said, like Shane, who is the, the founder of ice uh, he, you know, he always said, look, you know, you gotta have a, if you want to have a page of editorial, you got to have a page of ads to pay for it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that kind of was a very, you know, basic way of explaining that you can't make this free magazine unless someone's paying for it. Sure. And that was a good lesson to learn because, you know, you you get you bring in advertisers, you get them excited about what you're doing, but you make them part of uh sort of the culture that you're building and you look in those early issues of vice at, you know, you know, the early 2000s issues of vice, and it was very like a holistically, like in encapsulated, a uh, uh, a certain time and place that like, you know, the ads almost felt as in some ways like compelling as some of the editorial, which it was very strange. It's not something you would say about, you know, Rolling Stone or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but Vice would get very strange advertising because it was all sort of part of our, uh, part of that that world of 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 Vice at the time, which was very much, um, you know, downtown metropolitan cities, music and fashion, sort of those cultures interweaving with each other, and um, it it was it was a it was a cool thing to be a part of and build. Um, And then you realize that if you want to do something interesting, there's only so much money that you can have out of the editorial budget. So you have to find ways to to make more money so you can do cooler things. And really, that's what it comes down to. And, you know, if you can find a brand that will uh, underwrite something amazing, that's both good for your business and your brand and your audience, as well as their business and their brand and their customers, then it's a great way to, you know, it's a great way to grow. Uh, it's a great way to grow your business and your
2: partner's
1: yeah. business. And it, and it creates a lot of value. It's, uh, it was, it was, it was were very interesting challenges. And this is, this is even pre, this is like pre internet video days. So oh. it was like you had to get kind of creative on what you do and um, you know, everything from, buy an ad in the magazine to sponsor a party to, you know, let's make a mini mag of, of custom content for you. And then, you know, then of course, vid- digital video hit and, and everything changed.
0: Sure. I want to touch on a little bit about the, I guess the advertisers that you would have to reach out for. Was there any part of you that, I don't know that made it a little bit more of an obstacle because of sort of the, content that Vice was making at the time, as far as it being somewhat controversial to an extent, you couldn't reach out to like a McDonald's or something, you know, just cause of the stuff that was in the magazine. And was there a part of you that was almost not wanting to reach out to those people and wanting to really fine tune it to the audience and, you know, correlate it with the content and stuff that you guys were producing?
1: Look, there's yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you, I think in any business, there's low hanging fruit Mm. and then there's sort of the reaches, right. And, you know, you get the low hanging fruit pretty easy, you know, like the vice would have no problem getting the, you know, at the time, the record labels with the, you know, with the new, you know, Matador records would advertise the new Queens of the stone age record. And it's like, yeah, no kidding. And, (laughs) um, because that was like, so, on target for us. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you'd have this, you know, the streetwear brands or the skate brands that would advertise with the yeah, DC shoes would do something. It's like, yeah, because vice is distributed in skate shops and and it's kids who listen to rock and roll and punk rock and, and, and hip hop. And you get those type of ads, but generally it's the bigger sort of more blue chippy conservative companies that have more money. Mm. And, you know, we'd have to go after those. And those were kind of the reaches, right? And, you know, you don't, those were harder to get and you really had to work for them. And, and you know, they don't, A, they don't understand what you do. You don't speak the same language. Uh, B, they look at some of the content and they're like, that's way too freaky. I remember, what was it? There was one brand they said i remember they told us that like yeah something like maxim was too freaky for them and so like vice would never you know
2: mm.
1: never be good for them and, and they'd never be able to work with us and you know it kind of made me realize what we were up against but you just chip away at it and you show the value and it look if the audience really cares about something you know the the brands and the advertisers Will get on board, right? You know, you could have the most acerbic, you know, scandalous, uh, unpc media property, but if your audience is big enough, right? If your audience is big enough, the advertisers will want to be there, and they'll put aside their 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 qualms. But you know, at the time, that was the vice's problem was. We were a small magazine and the content was pretty risque. and uh, yeah, that was the challenge of showing them the value of our of our at the time very small media company. And look, it's it's become, um, you know looking back, you know it's almost 20 years. Looking back, you know now we have a massive audience. Uh, the content is definitely still cutting edge. Um, but it's not, uh, it's not puerile for, for, for shock value sake. And, um, it's, uh, it's much easier and, and, you know, you know, pretty much every brand in the world at this point is, you know, sees the value of working with us, which is, uh, you know, makes, I think the sales aspect much easier of the job.
0: Mm. That's awesome. Does the, uh, in that period of time when you were working there and seeing the kind of the, um, I don't know. Was what did it live up to what you were I guess initially thinking of the company when you first wanted to join and you know all you liking the magazine, you know your buddy telling you about it, wanting to apply and then working there for a decent amount of time and being kind of at the helm of a really important part of the magazine. Did it live up to what you were thinking and what you expected or did it you know was it a lot different?
1: I mean, it's like anything there's there, it's like when you meet your, you know, there's a, there's a sort of a, a, an expression that, you know, you don't want to meet your, you don't want to ever meet your heroes. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. because they usually disappoint you. I think there's, that's not totally accurate for for a situation like this, but there's, there's always what you think something is going to be like and then what it actually is. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you look, Vice is an amazing place. It always has been a pretty amazing place to work. Um, you know, there's certain things you discover, right? Like, oh my God, there was no heat in the office sometimes. Mm. And you're like, it's really cold in here. And, you know, there's things like that where you're like, Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, but no, I mean, it totally lived up to, you know, what I, what I thought it was. It was like the, I mean, it was like the coolest place in the world, uh, in a very small world of, of sort of, you know, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It was, it was an amazing place to be during this like really kind of huge change in New York City. I was kind of joking with some friends um, about this, of you know, everyone who's left New York and businesses are shutting down and we were kind of joking like, Hey, we lived the bubble. Mm -hmm. You know, we were, we were the bubble. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe, maybe things are going to continue growing. Maybe they're not, or maybe everyone's going to work from home forever uh, in, in some sort of dystopian nightmare. But, uh, the, you know, the last 20 years have been pretty incredible in New York city and, and, you know, in Brooklyn vice, you know, vice was a big part of that, uh, you know, in Williamsburg and such. And, um, that was, uh, you know, and then of course we went global as a company, but like, yeah, the early days were, it was very cool and no complaints. So we were just, a lot, there were a lot of surprises, but you know, not really complaints.
0: Sure. I want to touch a little bit also on, uh, you know, when you talked about how everything went digital and everything changed, um, what did that look like as far as, you know, your responsibilities and your views as far as, you know, advertising and everything, did it become, I mean, I'm I'm assuming there was an added responsibility there with, you know, having to do website advertisements and just the whole change of that whole situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, When I started, we, we're very much a magazine company with mm-hmm. some sort of nascent uh, television production. Um, we, to, to illustrate kind of the point of where we were and where the world was at that point this is 2002. We updated the website once a month. I mean, it, it just seems like it seems stupid, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like what were you guys thinking, but really websites aside from, you know, like your, your, your AOLs or whatever of the world back then websites weren't really cranking out daily content. Maybe some of the news sites were, Mm -hmm. but you know, it was the, the media companies were very much still television networks or magazines. Right. And those are, you know, you got your nightly news. I mean, you got your nightly news or you got your monthly issue or weekly issue or whatever, even things like Fox news or CNN, like, the twenty four hour news cycle didn't hit I mean it was it was it was growing at that point, but it it didn't become this all consuming you know constant content at every hour you know beast that it that it is now. Um, so you know we were like updating the website once a month, and we thought that was enough. and then we kind of had the realization that, oh, you know we can make money on this we sell advertising but to do that we have to give people a reason to come back every day not just once a month mm-hmm. to read what was in the magazine let's make content uh that's only for the website and then it grew from there and then of course video you know we were we were really ahead of the curve on video youtube was what like 2005 mm-hmm. and then vice was i mean i might be getting my years wrong but we were pretty deep into video by 05, 06. Um, and, you know, even before just having it on our own site, we were one of the first sites to really go deep into building our own brands on, um, on our own site and, and and running our, running our website properties as kind of a TV channel and just programming, you know, different formats and creating new IP, um, new brands and, and sort of telling different stories that we could tell on camera and not in the magazine and that's when the growth went went crazy i mean it really it, you know it, it, it seemed like divisions popped up overnight uh you know in terms of well you know i remember one day you know it was our 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 uh, we were giving a tour of the office and we'd say that we'd point to one guy sitting at like a folding card table uh with like earbuds in and a laptop we'd say hey that's jake uh Who that's our whole video department right there. Pretty impressive, huh? And we actually thought it was impressive. Well, you know, that metastasized very quickly into editing bays, many, you know, tons of equipment, uh, you know, tons of editors, producers, um, hosts, everyone. And that guy, you know, who, who was formerly, uh, he'd be great one for your podcast. You know, he became the, you know, an, an Emmy winning, uh, you know, videographer and a director and kind of did the whole style of vice because he was there from the beginning. Hmm. And, um, you know, that was just kind of how vice grew. It grew very organically, but also very quickly. And, and digital certainly was the, was the gasoline thrown on the fire of that growth.
0: Sure. Speaking of, uh, that growth in that period of time, when did it become, I mean, you starting Munchies and being the co-creator of that, I'm curious as to how that came into fruition. Was it that period of time where all these different branches and different avenues and wanted to do everything, or was it later down the road?
1: So <clears throat> munchies was a show, uh, that was created on vice, uh, probably in, in 2009. Hmm. And there's probably, and there's some debate about who created it, uh, amongst, uh, Three guys and I've asked them. Uh, I've asked them all who did it, and none of them take responsibility for it. And, and uh, so I, I just say that they all did it. But it was it was a show, uh, and they, you know, they they made a couple episodes of this this show. It was about chefs going out and really just kind of what they do after their shift and going to their their different friends' restaurants. And it was cool, and it got some views, and it, it was a you know it was a step out from vice from sort of the music and fashion and sort of, you know, it was kind of gonzo news reporting that we had been doing. It was more cultural and that was very cool. Um, we had done a food issue of the magazine, which probably was the, the proto version of vice or or of munchies, um, you know, in like Oh five or Oh six. And then, so we did the show for a couple of years. Um, You know, like we, but it wasn't, it wasn't a like regularly scheduled programming. It wasn't anything that, you know, we really took the market, uh, that heavily. I mean, it was kind of shoot one whenever you want. I'm, you know, it's like I remember I shot one when I was on a shoot, uh, in Moscow, like Hmm. in 2012 or something, just for shits and giggles. I was like, hey, we have an extra day. Why don't we shoot an episode of Munchies? And so we did. Um, but then around like yeah 2012 or, or 2013, we decided to make it more of a of its own site. We we called them verticals at the time. And we had started uh we verticalizing, if you will, making these new brands with motherboard, which was mm-hmm. our tech platform.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh And then, and then noisy, which was music that came up. So we realized like our expansion, we had, we had been expanding internationally a lot. Right. Uh, And that was sort of the first phase of our big expansion. And then we realized that we, you know, we were, we were pretty worldwide by 2010 or so. And then we said, we got to expand into more um, subject matter expertise. Right. And have, you know, different, different brands within, within vice, because look, you know, Viacom, for example, has lots of brands. I got comedy central, I got MTV, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, we, I, you know, we were looking at it and I think the quote was, I don't even know, maybe Shane said it, maybe someone else did, you know, we're the time Warner of the streets. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it was at that time that we started expanding all these other brands. Um, munchies, We probably made the, we made the decision to do it in like 2012 or so, 2013. And then we finally got it off the ground in April, 2014.
0: Nice. And then the, I mean, your experience with food and then kind of your interest of wanting to start something like that, where did that stem from? Is that from a... Younger age or something you've always kind of been interested in?
1: Um, I mean, like when I grew up, where I grew up, I didn't go to restaurants. Like i I'm not joking, probably had been to restaurants before I went to college under 10 times in my life. Hmm. Um, wow. Just cause like I, you know, I grew up in a pretty rural area and it, like we didn't have restaurants in my town or even the towns next to us. So it was, It's kind of like a big deal if you went to a restaurant. Um, uh, So yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't like have that from like childhood or anything. Um, But, you know, just living in New York city, you know, 20 years ago in New York city, there's a great stat. It was something like, I don't have the source, but uh, it was something like there were half as, or, or, or yeah, half as many bars and restaurants 20 years ago, in New York city than there are today. Hmm. Um, so when you're, when you live through that, that growth, it's hard to not be a part of it and, or at least notice it. And, um, and then being advice, you know, you, you're working in media, you're going out for dinners, you know, you, you, you go out with, with clients, right. You get to go, you get to travel. And that was, it was very cool to, you know, be able to be, you know, 23 years old or whatever, and travel throughout the country on business and, you know, sort of see things that, Oh, Hey, we got to go out to dinner with the American apparel client. Okay. uh, Let's go somewhere in LA. Let's make a good dinner. And, you know, uh, you know, Shane and, and, and Seroosh, you know, we're always, you know, very into, you know, you know, sort of, uh, sporting restaurants and taking us, you know, out like we'd have, you know, sort of team meetings. We, you know, I guess you'd call them at restaurants that would start in the afternoon and they'd go to late at night and you kind of just appreciate restaurant culture. And, and, you know, the magazine started in Montreal and that, that, that was much more, that city is much more, uh, European in that way. It's sort of a very food focused city and, you know, I think that that mentality kind of was pervasive with with vice because we we just quite frankly spent a lot of time hanging out in bars and restaurants mm. and that rubs off on you and so then you realize that the people that work there are have interesting stories and you know there's there was the whole like which i I think it's kind of ridiculous, but there was the whole uh like chefs are the new rock stars thing mm. and that was you know, a, a a concept that was floating around quite a bit. And, you know, it's, it's a little silly, but there was something to it in the sense of like, people started getting obsessed with, with this young, these younger chefs that were making names for themselves. And, and we were, you know, we weren't the first food website by any means. Um, but you know, we were the first one to go really, really hard into video. Um, most and you know, it was mostly the food websites at the time were who's opening and who's closing and what's the latest scandal. And you know, we didn't really give a shit about that. And you know, we said, what's the cultural aspect of food? How are these, you know, where let's look at look at something like Anthony Bourdain did and how do we do that for a younger generation? And then, you know, we we took guys like you know, Eddie Wong or Maddie Matheson um action bronson and kind of just started doing that. And um yeah, they kind of got it rolling from there. But it was, you know, for us it was always it was always about the personalities um and the culture as opposed to sort of the, the gossipy aspect of
0: it. Sure. And when you talk about um I mean Eddie Huang and Maddie Matheson, Action Bronson, these people that have I don't know massive now at this point have really, really grown. Was that cool to see sort of the Trajectory of how they, you know, grew with the company and kind of became sort of household names within, you know, the bedrooms and houses of uh, just most people across the country and how they Yeah,
1: it's awesome. It's awesome to see. It's awesome to be a part of that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you kind of, I remember the Maddie one was a good example because we, he was like a, a, like a, a sidekick in one episode of, of when we, when we were doing the Munchies show, which is now called Chef's Night Out. He was sort of like the sidekick in the background of, (laughs) of some episode and it was a good episode, but it wasn't about him. He was just some, you know, kind of crazy character in the background. And, you know, we said, wait a second, who's that guy? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. let's try something with this guy. Like, he's funny. He looks like, you know, he's looks like one of us and, and, you know, let's see what he's all about. And, you know, he was, you know, he's phenomenally good at at his social media and had already been kind of developing a following like that. And, you know, we, we did a couple formats with him that all started, you know, kind of snowballing and and getting bigger audience. And yeah, it was very cool to see, you know, them, you know, all those guys grow and, and uh, you know, and then start their own things. And it's, it's, just a very cool thing to be a part of and to develop sort of those personalities and brands and, and see them, you know, go on to, you know, do things that we never thought possible. And it, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, definitely. Did your role in the company change when Munchies came to like fruition?
1: Yeah, I was doing at that time. Uh, I was the publisher of the magazine and I was doing sales, um, so I was like, a, you know, I had just p- clients that I would uh, look after, as they say, and and try to bring in business, so, my, you know, I covered some of the bigger film studios, uh, and there were some fashion companies, um, you know, I was working with, like, like, Fox and Paramount were some of the film studios I covered, and then I did projects with, like, Levi's, Converse, North Face, things like that, and, and there's some other things that I was doing. But you know, I had a sales job. I was running the magazine, and then I was running Munchies as well, and launching that. And I was pro- I probably didn't realize it at the time, but I was probably getting pretty burnt out. Mm. Um, you know, I, I remember there was one week where I think I had gone to L.A. for two day trips from New York twice. Uh, because I had meetings in New York and then meetings in LA and it was just flying back and flying in the morning, fly out at night, you know, come back for a day in New York, then do it the same in LA again. Hmm. And I really, you know, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was probably getting kind of burnt out. And my boss at the time was like, John, you realize you have three jobs. And I was like, I guess, but that's just kind of how it goes. Advice. You do a lot of different things. And he was like, you got to pick one and do it and just pick the one that's going to make you the happiest. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I picked munchies. Um, and, you know, because it was at, at the time, I thought that was probably where I could learn the most. And I, I think most people are probably the happiest. I know I am, at least. I don't know about everyone, but I would think that most people like to learn things Uh in a job, and and find new challenges. And when you've kind of mastered something, it gets a little boring, um, and that's probably leads to burnout. So Munchies was the freshest thing, and you know I felt that building a brand was the biggest challenge and where I could learn the most and and have the most impact. So I I chose that and um, kind of passed off the rest of the stuff. And uh, yeah, became my life became cheeseburgers and white wine.
0: Yeah. What were, uh, you know, a few of those original, you know, initial obstacles that you had to overcome with building the brand and, you know, bringing it to where it is now?
1: I mean, people just don't believe hmm. in the beginning. Right. And you kind of got to shove it down their throat in a way, uh, and, and make them believe. Right. And the only way to do it is is just take the bull by the horns and 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 build something, right? And the people that are the naysayers are generally the ones who then come back and are like, "Oh yeah, I," you know, they'll lie to you and they'll say, "Oh, I I, I believed in this all along." And you're like, <laughs> "No, you didn't. You didn't believe. You didn't support it at the beginning." There were people that supported it in the beginning, and you know, we remember who those people were. But you know, a lot of people didn't support it in the beginning or said it was and in, and in, and. In, The thing about Munchies and me was that I saw, I had seen it all before with Vice, right? You know, it was, I had seen all the problems that Vice had and all the growing pains and and people not believing in it. And, you know, you having to kind of just make it a real entity on your own. I saw what Vice did and what, you know, Shane and Sarush and, and everyone on the team did with Vice and so that was a distinct advantage for me when i was building munchies with with the with the co-founders lauren and chris and, and the rest of the founding team um, of which you know there there's quite a few and and everyone really contributed a lot and you know you you have you realize that there's pitfalls that you're going to run into. But if you know what those are, because you've already had the experience like I did with vice, you can avoid them. Um, so I had a distinct advantage because in a way with munchies, I just ran the playbook that vice ran, you know, kind of 10 years prior, and I just kind of updated it for food and for a more digital focused world. Um, and that was how we did munchies. And I think, I think munchies really benefited From that, um, because we had, it was launched by people who had a lot of experience at Vice. We didn't bring, um, you know, we didn't uh, just sort of, you know, no knock on the interns, but we didn't just like pass it to the interns. Mm. Um, You know, we certainly had uh, help from all sorts of the company, but, you know, we had, it was launched by people who had a lot of experience in building the Vice brand. And I think that's why Munchies is still really successful is, you know, it was built on a very strong foundation.
0: Sure. That's awesome. I'm also uh, curious how you as an individual have grown, you know, throughout all these years of, you know, initially working at Vice, you know, pretty early out of college and, you know, all the different things you've done at the company and then sort of, you know, starting Munchies and, you know, all the development and everything that went into that as a person and just who you are, have you, you know, grown a lot? Have you learned a lot? And what were kind of the main things that you, you know, took away from that experience?
1: Yeah, I think, um, there's two, two sides of maybe the same coin cause they they clearly go together. And the, I think it's the best things that people can learn are how to be humble and how to be confident. Um, and they, they are, they're very much cousins of each other. Uh, and I, you know, I remember coming into vice and I probably wasn't confident in some regards and I was probably overconfident in others. And then, you know, there's a, probably at times there's a certain lack of humility, but you start realizing that you have a lot to learn and that there's people that you can learn a lot from if you just keep your fucking mouth shut or just ask the right questions, uh, and not go in like, you know, it all. Mm. Um that is a that's a skill that is hyper important in anything you do um, is to listen to the people who've done it, right? You know, you can take criticism. It's best to take criticism from people who have done what you're trying to do, right? If taking criticism from someone who doesn't know what they're talking about or you know, is just like, you know, you might as well just be listening, reading internet comments because it's, it's pointless. But if you really can take criticism from someone who's built something or, you know, it, it, and and you take it well and you're humble about it and you understand and you listen, that's a, that's a skill that creates having lots of confidence. And when you're building something and you're trying to make something grow, you have to be confident about it. Because if you're not confident about the thing you're building, no one's going to want to work with you. No one's going to want to do business with you. Your audience is going to think you're a fraud. Uh, so you have to be confident about who you are and what you're delivering. And so, yeah, I would say that, you know, humility and confidence were two things that I, I was able to really learn a lot about and 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 kind of, you know, in, in, put into myself and how I conducted myself. And I think that's, yeah, I think it's just really important for for anyone in any business that wants to do anything is, is to keep those two things in mind.
0: Nice. Cool. Um, you know, as you have grown with munchies, what were, you know, some of the really cool experiences, do you have any stories from that? You know, I know there's a lot and you know, everything that happened, but any sort of big, I guess landmarks that you're like, holy cow, you know, like that happened. That's amazing. Um, you know, I would have never thought it would have grown to the levels that it has grown to. were there any experiences like that, that kind of really, you know, stoked you out about, you know, the decision you made during that time when your boss was like, Hey, you have three jobs, you know, you need to pick one, you know, was there a moment?
1: Yeah. Um, well, (laughs) I remember, um, when I started at vice, there was a lot of talk about a TV show we were going to have. And, you know, we eventually got a TV show on uh, MTV. Um, It's called the vice guide to everything. Mm. And we were, you know, we were a magazine and a website at that point. And I remember Shane talking about, Hey, we're going to have a TV show on MTV. And everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, how are we going to do that? Like, that's impossible. And Shane was like, No, it's not impossible. We're going to do it. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's what it's going to be. And he had the vision, right? And then we did it. But from where we were sitting at the time, we didn't believe it, right? And then it happens and you're part of it and you believe it, right?
2: Hmm.
1: And I remember that Delta, right? Like, that you know, for that sort of going from the level of how can we do it? A TV show? I, I think that's impossible. To where, you know, where we were, you know, five years later after that, which was, hey, we're gonna have multiple TV shows. We're gonna be, you know, this massive youth media company globally. It was like, oh yeah, yeah, well we can totally do that. I, I completely see how we're gonna do that. Um that was a, an easier mental leap than we're going to have one TV show. Right. And so that was very cool. It's, you know, once you, once you get some wins under the belt, you know, you you get bigger aspirations and it becomes, you know, it becomes a much, um, you know, you, you can, you can see, you can see the roadmap to success much more clearly than you could before you've had success. Um, You know, with Munchies, I remember when we started it, you know, it was like, we're going to do some shows and have some stuff on the website. We had all these grand ideas about what else we could do with it. And, you know, realizing that big projects, you know, it's, it takes a long time to get them off the ground. Um, And it's a, it's not something that, you know, you, you have to put them into motion almost immediately if you want something to happen. Um, you can't wait and, and wait around and, and, and you know, let things grow organically. Like organic growth usually means there's someone who's working their ass off behind the scenes. Right. Hmm. And, you know, with Munchies, it was, you know, hey, suddenly we were doing festivals and that was a big moment. And, you know, that was our, our team in the yeah our team in um, uh, Copenhagen who kind of spearheaded that and it was very cool because then we were able to help and replicate that in the States. Um, you know, but that they, we had been working on that for years and then we were suddenly like, wait a second, we're a food festival brand. Okay, cool. We put a, you know, we started doing book deals and we said, wait a second, now we're like a multi-channel media brand cause we have book properties. Um, then we said, how do we do more physical? And, and we did a deal for a food hall. And you know, now we have the Munchies Food Hall, which is opening up very soon. It's been like a very long process, but big deals take a long time to actually get going, especially if there's something that physically needs to be made. so um, it's uh it's a very you know realizing that it, you know it's a long road and a lot of hard work, but if you're able to sort of have the vision of what you want to do. All it takes is the motivation to start it, to start it going because, you know, it's, it's another Shane quote, but I, I fully subscribe to it. And it, it's, you know, momentum is a motherfucker and it's completely true. It's once you start down a path and, and you get a little momentum, it's hard to, it's harder to stop than it is to keep going.
0: Hmm. Totally. Wow. The, um, I think it's interesting. You bring up Shane to me, he seems like a bigger than life sort of persona in a way, you know, how he, I mean him, Sarush and I guess initially Gavin was part of that process too, starting the magazine and sort of just the empire that they created. It seems like, at least from your experience, he was very hands-on with a lot of it and was super just kind of spearheading a lot of the projects and different things. And was that cool to see, I guess, the owner of such a massive company be so... I don't know, just have a close relationship with them and to have them just kind of walking around the office and, you know, kind of being there and not being this big figurehead as you would see in more of a business with like a massive CEO that most of the people never talk to kind of thing.
1: Sure. Uh, it, it, look, it's, it is super cool. And, and, you know, it's... it's Some people become, you know, legitimate celebrities and it's like mm. it's like shocking because you're like... It doesn't seem like that to you. You know, you're it's just like, oh, it's this person I know this friend or coworker or boss or whatever that just suddenly became huge. And you're like, but it wasn't suddenly, right? Right. It took forever, you know, and, and we always kind of joked. I don't know if we still joke about this, but you know, Vice is kind of a 20-year-old a or 25-year-old startup, right? Mm. Like, you know, it's like it still kind of feels like a startup company in a way, but we've been going for 25 years and that's uh, you know that's actually a, a great a great amount of time and and to be able to maintain an audience for that long it shows you have to grow and you have to evolve and, and part of that is elevating people within the company who have you know something to offer, whether it's on screen or whether it's behind the scenes. and you know, you've interviewed a few of you know, you interviewed Thomas, you interviewed Ben, and you know, Thomas, for example, started off as... he was an intern as far as I remember. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he grew into this, you know, he's a great editor, writer, and then TV host. And then that's super cool. Um, and so for me, it's just like, these are just like people within the vice world. And, you know, unless I stop and think about how crazy it is, it doesn't seem crazy. If I stop and think about it, I'm like, yeah, it's completely insane. Um, but, you know, I I I think there's definitely, I mean, I've definitely had people advice, you know, who have been like, whoa, you've met Shane or you've met Sarush. And it's like, yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> and you know, and I think it's actually interesting now, you know, Nancy came in as CEO and she took over from Shane. And, you know, she's done a really good job of getting known amongst the staff and you know, having a very like open door policy because, you know, I don't think it's you know i don't think it's uh good for a company to just have these like you know mysterious figures at the top and and no one ever really gets to interact with them and you know that's probably bad for morale and bad for a, a company but you know nancy's always been from day one you know very communicative and i and i i view that as like that's kind of exactly what Shane did when I was starting out, but yet there were only like 20 of us, or actually when I started, there was like seven of us. Mm. And then, you know, it was like, it grew from that. But like, now there's, you know, a couple thousand, but you have to communicate with people and show them you're a real person. Right. And that's how you're going to build uh morale and people wanting to work hard and, and, and do their best jobs is, you know, you have to be there to, to, support and also tell them where, when they screw up and, and how to, how to be, be better. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's bizarre when companies have these, you know, larger than life CEOs or whatever that no one ever talks to. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Right. But if they're engaged, great, be larger than life. That's cool. Um, and that's probably why a lot of people work there is, you know, there's a bit of um, a bit of sort of war mentality of like, let's go to war with the general that everyone really likes, and you know, that was uh, I think that's really important for any you know growth stage company.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, for this year, as far as munchies and just I mean everything that you've had been going on, um, how has that been going for you? Is with like the virus and COVID and. You know, did he have any plans initially with munchies or, you know, uh-huh. vice initially and that kind of went kaput because of everything and, you know, what well, did that look like?
1: Yeah, it, I mean, look, it, every business in the world has been affected by COVID, right? Um, some have had positive, I mean, it's fucked up, but some have had positive uh, uh, outcomes because of COVID. Um there's been a lot, a lot of negative ones. And, you know, look, on uns- markets don't like uncertainty, um, markets and like stability and, you know, predictable growth, uh, uh COVID threw everything into a, everything into a, a basket and shook it all up. And, and it was, it was hard and especially in the food world, you know, we survive off telling the stories of people in the food world. Well, guess what? People in the food world are hurting right now. You know, unless you work for a delivery app, and uh, or rather, unless you're a stockholder in one of the delivery apps, you, if you work in the food world, you're probably pretty hurting right now. Mm-hmm. Um and there are some, you know, green shoots as they say. Um, but you know, we were very much, uh, telling stories of, of restaurateurs, of chefs, of bartenders, uh, of people who, who work in the food world, people that grow the food and shit hit the fan. And that was a, a very hard thing. And, and, you know, for us, we just said, look, we have to keep telling those stories. So our video team, um, Kind of repivoted, victory cooking from home while restaurants are closed, and so you know really keeping those chefs' faces uh, and personalities and voices in the conversation, so they wouldn't be totally forgotten. Because it was kind of all we could do. Um, You know, we we had our food hall that was supposed to open in April, right, Mm. and then you know the world shut down. And we, that obviously the opening got wildly delayed because of COVID. So you know it definitely impacted our business. But you know we have to, you know I I, I'd been through a couple downturns advice before, before, and and really it's it's down on what your brand is and what value you bring to your audience. And with Munchies, it was well we tell. The story, we tell the story of the world through food and we kept doing that. Um, and so that's why, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be okay. Um, I think it's going to be very hard for a lot of restaurants. And I mean, clearly there's been a lot of closures already and there'll probably be a lot more coming. Um, it's been, it's been brutal and people's livelihoods have been, have been taken away and, you know, we've done some fundraisers and done some charity stuff that, you know, about your community, you know, I, you know, I saw an article on a website that shall remain unnamed and it was talking about, it, it was talking about all the, the food critics talking about how they didn't want to go back to indoor dining Oh, to me because I you know I looked at it like oh my god these people have spent their careers basically just critiquing uh, the work of others and now they are you know now they're, they're saying they're too scared to go eat indoors and I was like this is you know how, where, how about just if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all mm-hmm. you know like like maybe you know if it's not right for you, it doesn't, and you know, at least you, know, you don't have to be a cheerleader, but you don't have to try to willfully take that was, that was the implication and there's probably no help coming. And, you know, I, I think it's just, it's going to be a really hard time for the food world. And I think it's really important uh, for the media outlets there to be uh optimistic uh, with with things and not go out of our way to, um, you know, to, to, to make it more difficult for these, you know, what are in essence an army of mom and pop restaurants nationwide. Um, because I think it's, it's a, right. And what we, what we write about the content we make, as well as, you know, they employ uh, millions of people in America and worldwide, and, you know, that's a that's something that as a society we need to value. So, um, yeah, I, 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 it's been a weird year, especially in food. I mean, I think maybe the only world that got screwed up more than food um, in terms of, like, the vice sort of world is music and, and live music, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's got, you know, that industry got vaporized overnight and you know, you're starting to see it come back overseas now Um, probably still got a little while to go, but you know, I think it's really important to have some um, compassion for people that worked in those industries and want to get back to it because it did, you know, food, music, those things did bring a lot of joy to a lot of people. And those are things that we should, you know, remember as that we need to get back to that. Uh, you know, it's not something that's should have, en- should be ending in 2020. It's something we should be, you know, really encouraging to come back, uh, you know, as it, as it can in, in a proper way.
0: Sure. Nice. As we, uh, you to sort of wrap up a little bit, I'm, I guess I have one last question would just be, you know, throughout your years of, traveling and interacting with all kinds of people. And, you know, you talked a little bit right there towards the end about, you know, it bringing joy to people's lives and the importance of food and, you know, munchies and everything that you've done as long as, as far as, you know, creating an avenue for that. What have you learned from the, you know, people you've interviewed and what have you learned from, you know, traveling around the world and interacting with all these different types of people and kind of sharing their stories? Um what are some important takeaways from that?
1: I mean every, that everyone's got a story and everyone you can probably learn something from everyone and it's important to keep an open mind um when you're talking with people um no matter who they are as you know there's there's something that they know that you don't know mm-hmm. right and you know there's something that you know that they don't know and and you know you're probably trying to come together as humans and I guess this is probably my anthropology degree <laughs> from 20 years ago, probably paying dividends right now. But it's the reason that humans come together is to share knowledge and experience. And you know, I think it's one of the coolest things about working at Vice is just meeting, like, and doing all these weird projects that seemingly have nothing to do with each other, um, and developing sort of a super diverse skill set and 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 network of of connections that, you know, you know, it was, I remember having a a weird moment where it was like, you know, being on in a pitch meeting with some, you know, like the, the head of marketing at a movie studio and then, you know, shifting to, you know, talk with someone from a, from a, uh, uh, a commercial, uh, spaceship company, Hmm. uh, negotiating some tickets on a flight to, then dealing with a band on something to then dealing with a chef uh, to create something. And, you know, realizing that you're like, wow, I did all that in the course of one day. That is really bizarre, but really cool that, you know, Vice is one of the only companies I think on earth that you can have these interactions with such a diverse, disparate group of people who, you know, seemingly have nothing to do with each other other than, you know, vice is that sort of connection point. That's always been a, uh, for me, a very, um, attractive part of, uh, of the job.
0: Yeah. Nice. And then, uh, you know, as we wrap up, I, I mean, lastly, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I feel like I learned a lot and, um, super insightful for anyone who's listening. I think, you know, everyone's going to enjoy that. How can uh, people, you know, connect with you, see what you're doing, and you know, follow all the cool stuff you have going on?
1: Uh, you can, ch- I mean, you follow Munchies and Vice on social media. Just at Munchies and at Vice on all your social media uh, apps of choice. Um, that's the best way. Or you can follow me. Although I just post kind of weird stupid stuff if you want to follow my thing um it's i'm just john martin iv um and uh yeah i I don't know social media is such a weird thing like i actually kind of hate it now because i i really liked you know twitter and 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 such when it was just friends making jokes Mm -hmm. and now it's like people are like doom scrolling about like the next you know hellish event on earth and so i don't know i think social media when people are just kind of making jokes and having fun is a lot more uh brings a lot more joy into my life uh so you know that's kind of uh it's kind of what i I do on social media it's kind of just a a fun sort of it's a fun place of escape rather than a uh a personal media vehicle if you will um but uh, but yeah i mean look social media is a great way to connect with everyone and then check out. you can go check out munchies and vice, um, on the site, vice.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully come to some events as the world gets, uh, gets back up and running again.
0: Nice. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Once again.
1: Cool, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Double Life. To stay up to date on what's going on with Vice and with Munchies, make sure to head to vice.com or follow them on social media. You can also follow John at JohnMartinIV. You can follow us at The Double Life Pod. Make sure to subscribe and tell your friends. Have a wonderful holiday season. We'll see you next week. Adios.